of composing or collecting, which means, of course, uh, paying attention, opening, and being receptive to the way it is. So, the, like the morning chanting, we we uh, say this dedication to the holy life. May this free us from this whole mass of suffering. <clears throat> so it's very important to remind you what the holy life is about. You know what what its aim and purpose is. So the holy life of the brahmacharya, the, the monastic uh, forms are not for identity and they're not just uh, ends in themselves, but expedient means if used with awareness, with uh, sati and panya, then they're helpful. But if clung to as uh, identities, then they, then that still binds you to ignorance. Or <clears throat> if you just reject them out of aversion, it's the same thing. So they're kind of clinging, and uh, either through holding on or resisting or rejecting. But observing these tendencies, you know, just being able to witness, pay attention to, uh, you know, what your attitude is. You know, what your, your sense of being a monk or a nun, a summoner. How it can create a, a, even a stronger sense of self. You know, like being senior or an ajahn or things like this. Titles tend to, you know, increase the sense of a separate self. Then there's some, you know, I've known monks that they don't like, they don't, they don't, you know, they're kind of have this aversion to authority, so they say, I never want to be an Arjan. <clears throat> I just want to be a plain old bhikkhu, you know, never an Arjan. That's still a sense of self, isn't it? Like, I'm not going to be swollen-headed, arrogant Arjan. is a, you know, a Uriah Heap type of humility. <clears throat> So it's not that, you know, I'm asking you not to have opinions, but know what opinions are. You know, the, whatever you think and grasp, and no matter how profound or good or 
unfair or just or silly or stupid or whatever its quality might be. That's to know an opinion as an opinion. And this is very important because it's so easy to have opinions about Buddhism, the forms, the Vinaya, the way about practice, about methods, about teachers, different religions. And so the, like opinion, this English word opinion, or holding to a view, to a kind of fixed way of thinking. And so this is, can be witnessed through listening to, to yourself, to your opinionated tendencies. And I, you know, in my own practice, this is, I've learned so much from it about, my, you know, because I certainly, my personality is very opinionated one. And that's what personalities are. They tend, you know, they're fixed views about yourself and what's right and wrong. <clears throat> so you, instead of, you know, having an opinion about opinions, it's, uh, you know, the, the invitation is to really study, listen to it. Listen to the kind of inner sense of, I'm right, my view is right, or, or I'm always wrong, or whatever, whatever form it takes, for or against, positive or negative. Attempts to be magnanimous and fair about everything. And then the niggling little petty uh, self-centered uh, jealousies and and uh, mean-heartedness. Listen to that. So, not you know, it's not a. Don't be afraid of anything you be you're thinking, or you can think, but be the observer of it. Like in the, 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 other, this, the opinions about practice, about you develop the jhanas first and then do vipassana. And it's not that that's wrong, but it, if that's an opinion, isn't it? Those are words. They might be something, opinion you form from reading the scriptures. Or maybe the way you practice. So uh, then listen to, you know, it has to be like this. You have to do this first and that second. Now, there's not a judgment of it as being right or wrong, because that, then that's another opinion, saying, oh, that's wrong, <clears throat> or that's right. Or you can say more kind of uh, enigmatic statements like Lumpancha, right but not true, true but not right. 
And then the opinion that you shouldn't do any jhanas, you shouldn't practice samatha. Or whatever form it takes, you do get, you get your samatha together so you have a certain level of samadhi and then do vipassana. Whatever form it takes, and whatever words you're attached to, be the knower of your thoughts. They're like this. <clears throat> and so, I mean, they don't say the four foundations of mindfulness. Gaya nupasana, vedana nupasana, citta nupasana, dhamma nupasana, four foundations of mindfulness. So it's giving, a, trying to talk about four foundations of mindfulness, somebody interjected and said, well, you've got to, you know, the Gayanupasana is the basis of it. You have to start, because we're so out of touch with our, uh, we're so cerebral. We need to be in touch with our bodies. We need to ground ourselves with, with the Gaya, with the body. That's a very strong statement, opinion. And it's, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong or right, but it, it's just knowing as an opinion. But say anything that I say is for reflection, not, not for opinions to grasp. So then, you know, the recommendation of developing awareness It's an, but if I say you have to develop awareness, it sounds opinionated. Now, what I'm trying to do is sound encouraging. <laughs> I might be coming across as an opinionated ass, but I'm trying to be encouraging, actually. No, that's not wrong, you know. This is where you, you know, this tend to recognize where you're at in the present moment, the way it is right now. So, so here and now, you're, it's like this, and this is a way of observing, noticing, uh, say, if you're, Emotionally, what your emotional state is, or physical, whether you're feeling healthy or sickly or elated or depressed or sleepy, awake, peaceful, or agitated. It's like this. So I, uh, one thing I've found very helpful is always being observant of, uh, of the this kind of general state I'm in. Say emotionally, whether I'm feeling what you know, feeling calm or I'm stirred up in some way, carrying something, or it's like this. Because with the formal meditation, we 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 tend to have opinions about it. At least I used to, you know, we come in 
and you do anapanasati first, and and so you had this kind of idea of you had it, a kind of program that you you uh, whatever state you were in, you tried to do it according to the program, according to the advice. <clears throat> And so then, of course, this is where you have good and bad meditations. If you're always, you know, if you're stirred up and you're trying to do anapanasati and things like this, I found it, you know, if I was emotionally stirred up, I found anapanasati quite, you know, trying to concentrate, do it as samatha, quite impossible. <clears throat> Well, if you're already fairly calm, then it's quite pleasant. And it's noticing, uh, uh, you know, that you've got to to do the sweeping practice. Uh, start with the body first, and then uh, calm the body. Get in touch. Ground yourself with the body. And sometimes, uh, you know, the emotional. Uh, level is is so dominant that this is where learning to trust yourself to be aware of of what it's like. Yeah, it's good advice to to start with the body, but if you're in an emotional state, uh, recognize it. It's like this, so it's more on the level of jitanupasana, feeling upset or distressed by something like this. And so not trying to do anything about it, like trying to get get rid of the distress in order to develop uh, concentration. But the more you try to resist it or try to manipulate your, your mind, the more irritated you become. So it's more like uh, advice like letting go, letting it be, just allowing distress, feeling of being upset or irritated, like recognizing it's like this. So opening to it, embracing it, allowing it to be what it is. I found because I tended to be so uh, mental, so, you know, too developed in the head, uh, that I, I've, I always found the Jitanupasana style um, the most useful. So in, in uh, Watpa poem, for example, Lumpachara, just uh, his style of 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 witnessing the puto, the knowing of the way it is, and using the kind of um, emotional reactions, frustrations, irritations that that I had about trying to to fit in and learn language and uh, 
become a Buddhist monk. I learned so much just observing my own, the state of my mind, the state of, you know, of being, being frustrated or jealous or averse or stubborn or um, rebellious, feeling rebellious. So the four foundations of mindfulness are meant to be skillful means. And so it's not a matter of do one, the first, and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth. That's the thinking mind. That's the analytical mind. It's, it's logical. But where what I'm encouraging is intuitive awareness. Which isn't logical. But it's direct, so just directly observing, being the knowing, the puto, rather than the person with a lot of stress and a lot of emotional frustrations that are always obstructing your meditation practice. Now with the monastic form, you know, it's a convention, so it's it's um, the important thing is to learn it, you know, learn the binaya so that you you know, you you train yourself with it on a physical level. This is how we do it. It's kind of like agreed ways of behavior. As Buddhist samanas. <clears throat> so that it becomes something that is, uh, you know, uh, rather than be, you know, making it an end in itself and becoming, uh, you know, bound and guilt-ridden and we can you know, when you've got all these precepts and that, you can, you can create an enormous amount of guilt and fear around, you know, breaking a precept or doing something wrong. A lot of conceit can be developed around Vinaya, you know, who's, who, who knows Vinaya the best and who's take the strictest interpretation of everything. You know, I used to think the more strict you are, it was better. Better, stricter is better. And looser is, is kind of, you know, not so, you know, it isn't so impressive. And that's the way the logic of my mind is, you know. Stricter is better. Not so strict is is uh, 
It's not bad, but it's not as good. And of course, on ego level, I want to, you know, the ego, someone with my character wants to be the best. Doesn't want to be just a mediocre bhikkhu. You know, the conceit, personality conceit, I think it's because, I think this is a leonine problem of, uh, you think you're the center of the universe, like the sun. It's not, not, it's a kind of a natural way of feeling. It isn't cultivated so much. I think it's just the, the karma of being born in that, that time of the year. This is just an opinion. <laughs> A justification for this. Man, you know, even as a lay person, I was always trying to, you know, the idea of being mediocre and ordinary was not an attractive option. It was always moving toward the extremes. <clears throat> So, in training with the Vinaya, then is is you know if you learn the Vinaya properly, so that it, you you're comfortable with it, it's not rather than grasping it and endlessly worrying about it or judging other people by your maybe your high standards or whatever, then uh, you you can observe the way the way precepts or morality. Or these kind of conventions, how they affect you, your consciousness, how how it creates a sense of maybe uh, righteousness or fear, a lot of guilt, a sense of not never being good enough, or always worrying about maybe you 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 said something you shouldn't, or you 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 weren't exactly right when you offered the the tray <laughs> so one can be you know if one tends to be an obsessive compulsive I think Vinaya can be a disaster you get <laughs> it tend to increase that tendency <clears throat> so then consider that this is a, a the Buddha said, "I, you know, in his before he attained the Parinibbana, he said, you know, I leave you the Dhamma Vinaya. So Vinaya is important thing to understand how to use it. And what is it for? You know, in our be liberated from all suffering, from this whole mass of suffering." So attachment to it, and a blind attachment to it, <clears throat> identity with it, is suffering. So that's obviously not how to use it, is it? It's not meant to to make our lives more miserable or to create a, a sense of, you know, self-worth or lack of self-worth with 
how well you keep these precepts and follow the tradition. So then it's a matter of recognizing how to use it for awareness. So this is, you know, what I'm doing right now, the scene, how it affects, how restraint affects consciousness. How discipline, boundaries, be, um, put on behavior and speech, how it affects your mind. You know, like in, um, I found in my early years in Wat Pa Pong, you know, this rebelliousness because of the boundaries. You never liked uh, being, you know, caged in like that, having such rigid boundaries for behavior. Personally, I felt this rebelliousness towards it. <clears throat> having to live in such a conforming way within these boundaries of action and speech that was part of the training in the monastery. So it would bring up uh, my rebelliousness. I remember going through periods just feeling suffocated by all this. Just hating the whole thing. Just feeling it was killing me off, suffocating me. I felt like it was just pressing me down, felt oppressed by all these rules and this this conformity and the way everybody kind of, you know, was observing each other and and having to conform to this and do everything in this certain way. So there was a, you know, sense of, became quite critical, rebellious, stubborn, but then, with awareness, you know, I began to observe this in myself. Because of the way Lung Po Cha taught, it was like what I called Jitanupasana. So I was looking at the state of mind, the suffering that I was creating. Where I would say it was, you know, the personality would say, it's, oh, it's the Thai tradition, it's Lung Po Cha, it's the Wat Pa Pong, it's or Vinaya and all these things. That's what, you know, that's you, you project your, blame your suffering on external things. But that's not Jitanupasana, is that? You, you, you learn from that by listening to the way your mind works, who it blames, who it wants to, you know, who it, what it resists, what it resents. What makes me feel stubborn and rebellious? Then, it, then reflecting on the jitta, on the mental state I'm in, you know, this, this, uh, let's say if I'm feeling rebellious and critical of the whole thing, it's like this. So then it, it allows this awareness to just notice the state of the kind of mental, emotional mood of be, feeling this rebelliousness or this stubbornness is like this.
And then you're aware of it as dukkha, because to feel is stubbornness and rebelliousness. You know, it's not, you know, it's not a state of mind that once you see it, you know, once you, you're feeling it. It's not that I'm, you know, above it or removed from it, but I'm embracing it. I'm really noticing the result of this resistance, this stubbornness is like this. And it is, you know, it's, a, it's an agitated mental state, not, doesn't lead towards peace, happiness or anything, you know, the, the, the fruition of the holy life. It just, and if I start blaming, you know, believing all my opinions about it's the fault of Ajahn Chah, it's the fault of all these monks, it's the fault of the Thai forest tradition, this Vinaya. I've heard Western monks say the Buddha taught good Dhamma, but he was a terrible rule maker. I mean, we all like Dhamma, because that's all about letting go and freedom. But Vinaya is like, you know, it's like being, you know, putting yourself in position, convention, that is very restraining and, and you know, to, to somebody who likes freedom and be able to do what they want, say what they want, go where they want, think what they want, do whatever. Free spirit, then the, it sounds like, you know, like you're, you're volunteering for a prison sentence, like a straitjacket. But noticing that these these are precepts, I'd like to rather than commandments or rules. It's easy to call them rules, but the English word rule tends to sound to you know like coming from outside. You know, you've got to keep this rule, and and uh, you'll be punished if you break the rule. <clears throat> Where precepts, the English word precept, sounds much more like a, using this form for awareness. Taking on the precepts is, you know, it isn't like you're being punished for breaking a rule, but by training yourself with these precepts, which is uh, conforming in in behavior, but in terms of uh, monastic life, it it simplifies our life. You know, the, just makes everything much more. We're not endlessly, uh, you know, having to, you know, have meetings about, you know, what I think we should do, how this monastery should be, and and another monk said, no, no, we've got to do it my way, and it goes on and on like that, endless quibbling, quarreling, and playing around with the convention or with the the, uh, outer things where actually makes our life simple because we it, it has a conforming effect but the freedom is from the jitta not from the external part so ultimate freedom is through knowing 
through seeing the way it is, not through having the idea that you can do whatever you want. So observe, you know, just be the knower of, of you know, of how the, you know, the tradition, the conform, how conformity affects you. Some people want, every, you know, a lot of rules to make everybody march and step and, and uh, we feel safe. You know, we feel if everybody uh, obeys all the rules and obeys all the, you know, everything, then we feel much more safe. And you don't have any loose cannons or strange unconformists, nonconformists, or unpredictable types, or uh, you know, you, you know, you want everybody to to have you know, like a cult where we all say the same thing, believe the same thing. <clears throat> So um, probably a lot of control freaks are attracted into monastic life. <laughs> but then the challenge is how to use it, how to use this restraint. You know, and and you know the surrender to it, the the kind of willingness to relax, because it it simplifies the way we live. It makes the lifestyle simple. You don't have to spend your life thinking about it, or you know, trying to endlessly um, make it better or whatever. Then I decided I was just going to accept it the way it is. They're so like at Wat Pa Pong, I just I'll do it the way they do it. Then you get Western monks, especially, who come in and say, "Well, according to the I'm a Vinay expert, and the, that's not quite right." You know the way they do it at Wat Pa Pong. We should do it exactly the way they did it back in the Buddha's time, and this is what what it means. And so the, there's always this tendency to to want to improve it or make it exactly like it was at the time of the Buddha. But this can, you know, this is, to try to do this, it seems to me, uh, you know, you, you're not really looking at what you're doing, you know, you're opinionated again, you're caught in some idea that the way they do it isn't right and that the, what you think it should be is the right one. But these, Precepts are not, you know, a matter of, uh, you know, a lot of them are just agreements. They're not kind of written in stone as absolutes. So they can be, you know, the idea of being adaptable, easy to take care of, and sense of time and place. So that we we're not institutionalized, bound into a system that 
it makes us makes life difficult for us and for everyone else but for simplification so that we have this opportunity to really look and observe the results of what happens the state of mind we're in which inevitably brings us to the the body you can't ignore your body for long so this is where you you know you need to find this out for yourself about how to use these like the four foundations of mindfulness you know be willing to experiment as to what what works for you what and is it is it all the time or you know i my encouragement is to to observe you know the state you're in it's like this then it'll become apparent what what you you know how to practice or what is uh, the suitable thing to do now how many of you get confused should i start with anapanasati and then metta practice should i start with metta or do anapanasati or should i just reflect on for <laughs> do i do the sweeping practice the sweeping through the sensations of the body like goenka or should i how many minutes should i do samatha uh, anapanasati should I do that for so many minutes and then then do metta <laughs> get yourself into a twist really over you know trying to figure out which one you know and oftentimes asking me or teachers what to do next you know what should I do just give me a recipe that I can follow all the time for meditation tell me what to do and so then uh, this uh, because you don't trust yourself you 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 know the idea that i because i'm the teacher then i know what you need and how you should practice now observe that you know how how willingly we we willingly we are to uh you know <clears throat> give someone else you know that somebody out there the expert the teacher the authority you know to they know what i need you know we're willing to give ourselves to the teacher or the guru you know to take me you know and mold me as you will i'm uh, you know you know what i need and i trust you when people start doing that to me i uh, i don't trust that at all because uh, you know the people that adore you one day hate you the next <laughs> but also it's not <laughs> it's not the 
It's not the way, is it? It's not not the pointing in the direction. You know, the, the, this dhamma of here and now. So then the, the advice would be aware of this tendency, to this feeling of, you know what I need. I don't know what I need, you know. Being aware of, of uh, you know, being recognizing this might be how you're feeling in the present. Maybe so much uh, self-aversion or lack of trusting yourself or fear that you you will give yourself to somebody else to take care of. And observing this, it's like this, not saying it's wrong or criticizing anybody for doing this, for thinking like this, but the important thing is awakening, observing. I used to notice how, you know, in my my own practice, you know, how, you know, I thought, do I really want to be enlightened? But what if I did become enlightened and, oh, wouldn't know what to do anymore? You know, I'm used to being the, the, this personality with problems. I'm used to being this character, you know, with these these kind of defects, emotional problems and needs and desires and tendencies. And if I don't, if I if that if I let go of all that, there'll be nothing left. <laughs> I'll have to be enlightened. Then what do I do? How can you live in the world as an enlightened one? And then you think, no, no, you'll never be enlightened. You've got all these needs and wants and problems. And and there's something interesting about that, to be a a neurotic personality with with fascinating kind of... uh, take an interest in all your emotional needs and problems and fears and goes on and on like this. Because to to be enlightened, when you think of it on a per, with a, you know, from the personal level, it is it's pretty scary. We know, we know how, you know, we're, you know, our neuroses, we're used to that. So, like, noticing this, uh, this, this awareness, being, uh, being the, Learning to recognize awareness is like this. 
this in which puts into context all the, the personality, the neuroses, the fears, the desires, the attachments to the five khandhas. Then you can, you know, it's to affirm this, to recognize it. So this word recognize or realize, very important to, to you know, that in the Third Noble Truth is recognition or realization of cessation. That's how it sounds in the, in the way of talking about the insight into the Third Noble Truth. And then, in, in uh, then to make it to 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 develop to make this you know realize that this is reality. This is this is real. This sense of myself as being this person that ha- needs this and doesn't like that and it's got all kinds of hang-ups. That's not reality. That's not real. To make that real, I have to hold on to delusions to keep the sense of myself as a personality is a, is a delusion it's an illusion I create and so I you know I've lived in this world of illusion grasping myself as a separate person as, as the real world the real world is I'm like this because of this and because of that. Blame it on being a Leo. Or blame it on being American, being born in the States. Blame it on mother or father or you know, there's always a tendency to want to previous lives. You know, if you're a Buddhist you can you know, if you can't figure it out why you've got all these neurotic hang-ups in this one is probably due to previous one. <clears throat> is this real? Is this realization? Or is this the, you know, the arising ceasing of conditions, memories? Even memories of previous lives are just memories. Memory is memory. So this is, fits into the sanya khanda. <clears throat> Not a, you know, I've never had pre- previous life memories. But I certainly have an abundance of memories from this one. So I figured I don't really need to know any more than this. <laughs> if memory is memory. You can learn from this, these memories rather than, you know, it'd be more interesting, you know, if I could have previous life memories. It's not that I don't want them, it'd be interesting. Especially if, you know, if I was an interest, you know, some interesting previous lives. But that is the self again, isn't it? You know, what was I in a previous life is a is a back into the self view. 
So learning to trust this awareness is, you know, is uh, recognizing it. It's nothing abstract or difficult. It's very simple, but it's not noticed. So this is where this, this awakening, the sense of puto, awakening, witnessing, the knower, the one who knows. The one that listens to the sounds of the universe, Abhilokiteshvara, you know, the sense of listening to the sounds of the universe. And that doesn't mean you're listening to Mars and and tuning into Jupiter. <clears throat> but in terms of the universe from this perspective, isn't it? From here. The sounds of my you know, my feelings, my thoughts, my emotional states, loves and hates, likes and dislikes, fears and desires and whatnot, they're like this. Then recognize that, that consciousness also, that consciousness is, is um, minyana. This is a conscious form. I'm experiencing consciousness from this form. Consciousness is not created by me. It's not created out of delusion. It's natural state, isn't it? You don't create your consciousness. You know, I'm going to make myself into a conscious being. So it's learning to use consciousness, recognize consciousness, it's through, uh, through awakeness, awareness, it's like this. Before, you know, without having to, to you know, when you're grasping thoughts and, and habits and that, then you're still conscious, but your attention is always on the condition that you're grasping or resisting. So, you're, you know, you're trying to do samatha meditation or things like this, you're focusing on an object, on a form. <clears throat> and so you're conscious, but consciousness is operating, but you're, you're, you know, you're, you're absorbed into the object in, that's in consciousness. So the way to realize consciousness is, is not by attaching to anything, but letting go in the sense of relaxing, opening, observing, listening. Like when you listen, you know, listening is the sense of it has no boundary. You're not listening for anything in particular, for, you know, you know if you're trying to find out what Mars sounds like at this moment. Then you've got some idea in your mind about there's a Martian sound in the universe I've got to tune into. So then what is that? You're grasping an idea again. 
and trying to to find what you're grasping. So this is like with this uh, attention is this kind of listening is is non-objective. It's not not seeking an object, but relaxing, opening to the whole universe. Infinity, you know, unboundedness. So when I use the term sound of silence, uh, the problem with with the terminology is that you start imagining a sound of some sort, some kind of, you know, the word sound makes you start looking for something. You say, have you heard the sound of silence? No, no, I don't quite know what you're talking about. And, uh, And then you feel, what do you feel like, you know? And then you, you can you might conceive it as some kind of you know in some way like the angelic chorus or some kind of sublime subtlety that you can't quite tune into yet. So these are this whole way of thinking, creating. We're we're we're, we're fixing on a on a concept again, and then trying to. Find it, you know. What we're what we're attached to, we're trying to. We've got already pre we preconceive it, and then we try to find it. So this this sense of relaxed attention, letting go. This sense of letting go, surrender, <clears throat> letting things be. Attentiveness without seeking anything or having anything to do. It's like this. So it is, as you begin to to realize that this is, you know, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go, nothing to get, nothing, you know, all the techniques, all the sense of you being somebody that has to meditate in order to get rid of your defilements and and then having to work through the various stages of enlightenment in order to, you know, on a personal level, that seems so, you know, so difficult, so complicated. Because uh, my personality, when I think of it in that way, from a personal position, it seems, it's a, you know, complicated. And, and then, you know, I can never, my personality is, it tends to be so critical, you know, tends towards criticism. So I can't trust it, you know, the Sakya Ditti, I don't trust at all. And I know what it is. What I trust is this awareness, which puts into perspective the tendencies to, you know, compulsive tendencies that my personality produces. 
I've got to practice, I've got to get this, I've got to get samadhi, I've got to get rid of these anger, these defilements, I've got to purify my mind, I've got to work harder, I've got to, I've got so much to do. This, uh, this sense of having to do, the compulsion of, there's something I've got to do. I must do something. So with awareness, you can be, this, this is put into perspective, this compulsiveness, which is the bhavadana, one of the desires that, that is the cause of suffering. So when we depend on this compulsiveness, this habitual compulsiveness, then, uh, you know, you, it succeeds in the worldly level. You know, we can get things done on the worldly level. We can maybe, you know, you know, we become maybe very good monks and nuns, keeping all the rules and practicing very hard. And, you know, which is certainly praiseworthy. You know, I'm not criticizing that. Because compulsive to be good and, or, you know, be a good monk and nun, be impeccable, be a good example, uh, being, a, uh, you know, the ideals of monastic life are quite beautiful. So on the conventional level, you know, it's quite a beautiful form in itself. But it's, and it's an end in itself, it's not liberating till you learn to trust yourself. Now trusting yourself is a bit confusing, isn't it? Because you think yourself is your personality. And you can't trust your personality. Personality is a big liar. It's the deluding force. But to know the personality, so this knowing, this uh, this ability to know the personality is not personality, not sakyaditi. It's satipanya. This is it. This you recognize, realize, and affirm. You know, like when I say this is it, when I say, when I talk like this, what I'm doing right now, and I know this is it. This awareness that I'm experiencing now, sitting here, talking to you, this is it, this awareness. And then the thinking mind can come. How do you? Are you sure, Samantha? You could be fooling yourself. And that's the sakyaditi again, isn't it? It's uh, you know the doubt, which he You know, can you really trust yourself, Samantha? You, 
you know, you're a Leo and you tend to be, you know, inflate your ego and megalomania and things like this, you know. You're 40 years a monk, you want to, you know, you want to, you know, prove that you've got something out of it. But then the personality says that, doesn't it? To, to doubt is thinking, and that's, that's the wichikicca, these three fetters. Sakyatiti, silabhata, baramasa, wichikicca. So that's why in, in getting to know these three fetters, and not trying to suppress them, know them, you know, so you, you really know the tempting, the temptation, the mara of it, of succulent, it's like this. You're not trying to destroy it, but recognize it. So once you know your enemy, it's, the enemy is no longer dangerous. If you don't know who your enemy is, then you're just, you know, you're just a frightened person, kind of, running about, trying to find some kind of safety in the conventional world. But if you know where the enemy is, how it arises, what it says, how it, you know, what it, 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 how it forms and how convincing or how it, you know, intimidating it can be, you know this through observing it not through judging it. So in the scripture, when the Buddha says, I know you, Mara, Mara is the poly term for, you know, it's not like the tempter or delusion. So actually, Maras are helping us. You know, Maras, rather than seeing them even as the enemy, that you've got, the enemy tends to think you've got a, you know, you've got a, kill the enemy. But Maras are actually, you know, they'll keep at us till we really trust this purity of awareness. You know, they'll keep trying to tempt you and delude you. And, you know, in all kinds of subtle ways as you live your life. So even in the scriptures, when the, you know, after Buddha had been enlightened many years, and Mara said, <laughs> we'll see, see how this Buddha thinks he's a Buddha. <laughs> and then the goes in, and so Mara says, you think you're a Buddha, don't you? <laughs> and then, uh, Buddha says, I know you, Mara. He didn't, you know, punch him in the nose or tell him to get away. He said, I know you. That's all it takes. It's the knowing. Knowing things as they are. So then you think, Mara's are really, you know, they won't let you go, won't leave you alone until you really trust this awareness. So it's, a, it's, you know, it's like 
affirming this is it. This is this awareness is like this. And then you, you, you recognize it, the third noble truth, the set, because things cease in it, isn't it? It doesn't, it's not, a, you're not creating it and you're not attaching to it, you're recognizing it. It's just this. So to, to appreciate this, it's just paying attention, listening, allowing the conditioned realm to be what it is, because it ceases. Conditions cease. So that's why it's the Niroda Satcha or the the reality of cessation, how conditions cease. So you're letting things cease, you're letting things be what they are. The thoughts, the feelings, the body, the universe that you're experiencing right now in this very in this form the human form is like this. So then you you're allowing things to be what they are, you know, whether whatever quality, high, low, good or bad, is not the issue anymore. Because your true nature is knowing and this knowing then is is within the human form, individual human form, is consciousness awakened to the way it is. So this is Dhamma. And Dhammanupasana Satipatthana, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, where you're actually seeing in, you know, the Dhamma rather than, you know, the, the, the you're really aware of the way it is, discerning. with wisdom, with panya. And knowing that this is it, this is this is awareness, this is the refuge, this is Bhutto. Tamo Sankho is this. And then the then you then you can investigate, you know, the suffering is when I start believing Mara again. Mara comes and says, are you really, is it really this or are you just deluding yourself? Are you just trying to convince yourself of something? And so then, know you, Mara? Then Mara ceases. Maras are impermanent. So that's where the, the like the I keep emphasizing uh, there's uh, getting to know these fetters, especially you know because there's so many difficulties in the sangha because uh, after years of meditation you know still so many people are still trying to get samadhi and develop this and get that and uh, and yet the the teaching is is very clear. You know, if you work from the 
like the, uh, you know, using the dukkha, the suffering, and then awareness of the Sakya Ditti Sila Bhattabharamasa Vichikecha. So that these three fetters, you know, as long as you, as long as these are not recognized, then one is, is all kind of struggling all the time from trying to get rid of defilements or, you know, doing something, trying to get something, become something, get rid of something. So it's not getting rid of the fetters, but using them. So that sakiditi is very clear to me. You know, I know what it is. Use this using this term sakiditi, and then exploring it. What is not sakiditi at this moment? Is this awareness? And then the sakiditi is depending on me thinking. I'm. I'm Ajahn Sumato, and then the whole whole program is put into operation. The life of Ajahn Sumato. Then uh, you know Sila Bhattabharamasa. There's all these cultural conditioning things, attitudes, assumptions that you get from the being conditioned in the particular family, ethnic group, race, whatever that, that you you get, and all this conditioning of you know of the thinking of right and wrong, good and bad. And so the only way to see through that is through being aware of it. Of one's opinions, of one's preferences, of one's prejudices, of assumptions, cultural assumptions we make. And then Wichikecha, that's a great one, doubt, because it's all thinking, trying to figure out everything, and get, being so attached to the ideas of Buddhism and views about Buddhism, you never get beyond doubt. You're stuck in, or, or you, you hold to views about Buddhism, and then then anyone who doesn't agree you you accuse them of being wrong. You're trapped in your thinking process and in your ditti, your sakya ditti and tilabhatabharamasa, vichikicha. So like getting to know these things, be an expert on I know you. I know what these this is in terms of experience. Then the reality, realization is this. This is the reality. This is real. This is, this is a fact. I know this. It's the stillness that isn't, that where the changes take place. So it's, it's known, recognized. And then develop it like Pawana is cultivating this. You know the path then. You know the the way, the fourth noble truth based on samaditi, right understanding. This is it. Then cultivating that and developing it in the daily life.
around the Dhamma Vinya, as, as they in the monastic situation. But observing, you know, the way the way the things affect us on personal levels, you know how we affect each other. How monks affect nuns, and nuns affect monks, and things like this. The more, you know, just not trying to to build a, a, a kind of illusion that everything's just wonderful. We all get along so well because we're all dedicated towards enlightenment. But on a practical level of just being frustrated, annoyed, or infatuated, or besotted, or obsessed, or on a personal level, these are awakening too. It's like this. So that our strength is in our awareness. This is, this, if you trust it, recognize it, trust it, then then the the Maras have no power. They still come and have a go, but they you see through them very quickly. The more you trust this, recognize this, and trust awareness, 